Welcome. Thank you for downloading the first episode of Film by Film, uh, where we'll break down the best films of the day, whether they're huge blockbusters or whether they're uh, Oscar-nominated pieces, just whatever's interesting, whatever I watch, whatever uh, inspires me to write about it and take notes about it and to think about themes and characters and, and writing and cinematography and whatnot. So today's film is going to be Manchester by the Sea, sort of a, a quiet film coming in under the radar, um, uh, nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes, probably going to get nominations uh, for the Academy Awards, so figured it's a good film to start with. Uh, definitely a film that when you watch it, you see a bunch of uh, little themes running here and there, and, and uh just the way the characters interact with each other. Some of it's surprising, some of it's strange. So it looked like something fun to talk about. Uh, like I said, I am Chris Sarda. You can find me probably easiest on Twitter. You just go to at Chris Sarda on Twitter. Most of, I do this mostly to start discussions, so Twitter's a good place to start. I will probably, hopefully, write about this film. Uh, the website that I'll write about it, uh, I'll put in the notes. Um... So let's get started. Uh, just real quick, before I start the intro, these are meant to be discussions with people who have seen the film. So I know most reviewers online, like if you were to get on like the New Yorker's review page or something like that, I know most reviewers online write like a non-spoiler sort of review, even though to me they reveal too much. But this is not what that is. This is more. Um, this is more aiming to be. I'm sure it's not, but aiming to be more deep criticism or to to be able to talk about themes outright. So it, this film is just going to be me. Other times that when, when I watch a when we watch a movie, that I might have a guest in here to talk about to make have a discussion. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But the point is, is that. I'm going to nonchalantly talk about plot points and characters and whatnot. And if that bothers you, then you shouldn't really listen to this until you've watched the film. And if it doesn't, then hopefully it enhances your viewing of the film when you do watch it. But for the most part, I think that this is this podcast is for people that have already watched it. So I'm going to get right into it. Uh, let's just... Basically, let's just get right into the uh, the summary. Uh, so, the main character in Manchester by the Sea is Lee Chandler. Uh, you see right away, he just wants to be left alone. He wants to live a live a life where he just checks in and out, like like basically what his job is. Doesn't really care. Uh, it shows that he has a ton of anger right from the beginning. He gets drunk, gets in a bar fight for no reason. He's he's clearly the bad guy in the bar fight. There is a little... I'm not going to talk about this in detail, but there is a little moment in there where you're not sure what you're watching or who you're watching or what kind of character it is because it's the very beginning uh, of the film. And it's sort of comical. Lee's hopping around you know, the different places. He's at like a, a super in a, at a building in, in the Boston area. And it's, it's sort of funny. And he's and after a while, he's in a bar, he's getting drunk. He keeps looking at these two guys. You're thinking maybe he's gay. You know, a girl hit on him. One of the tenants hit on him. Maybe he's gay. Clearly it's 
that's being touched in, thrown out. And he goes and talks to the guy. And you think, oh, maybe the, this guy's just gay, I guess. And then just starts beating the shit out of him. Like, beating the heck out of him, you know. So, um, he falls right back into that, you know, hard Bostonian's uh, uh, stereotype. Um, so, definitely the bad guy in the in the situation in the bar but you realize that he's still the protagonist and you're not sure how to think about him and that's the just the first few minutes um and the film keeps the catalyst for this behavior for his his dryness with the tenants and and his bar fight it keeps it quiet for uh the majority of the movie and um even after he finds out that his brother dies and he's become responsible for his brother's 15, 16 year old son, you still don't get this Lee character, why he is who he is, why he acts how he acts, um, his sort of dryness. Also, there's clearly something, Manchester by the Sea is a rather small community, and there's clearly something going on. Lee is famous for some reason in the, uh, in the community because people go, oh, that's Lee Chandler, things like that. Um, Lucas Hedges plays Patrick Chandler, which is uh, Lee's nephew that he suddenly becomes responsible for. Um, and Lucas Hedges plays uh, plays this part very well, and it's and and the part's also written very well in that it isn't just a cry fest. You know, he finds out his his dad dies, and you know, the nuances of death and, and who dies and, and how you felt about them and how you thought about them and how well you knew them and, and how all that works. You know, people react to it in, in very different ways. And the writing here was done very well. The character was very interesting. And, and Lonergan, who I just think I mispronounced his word, the, the writer and director of the film. Uh, yeah, Lonergan. Did a um, did a great job, sort of developing this character. I think um, you 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 end up seeing the pain at certain points through the movie, especially with his focus um, on uh, one item of his of his father's death, which is that they couldn't bury him in the winter, so they had to freeze him, and he the son just didn't uh, Patrick did, just didn't understand it, he didn't like it, and he, and he responds to it a bunch of times. But for the most part, Patrick is written as absolutely nonchalant to the issue. The day his, he finds out his father dies, he invites friends over. He even keeps his girlfriend around to have sex with her. He also, at different points, has different girlfriends and, and is really flamboyant. But at the same time, Lucas Hedges does very well in the way... He plays the character because you know that that's only the surface. And you know that to a 15 or 16-year-old, it's very important to be 15 or 16. Very important to live that that life, that popular life that he doesn't even, he doesn't want to leave later on in the film where when uh, uh, Lee basically tells him he's going to have to take him to Boston. Um Uh, so one of the themes that I'll talk about later on, and uh, Patrick Chandler is a lo- is the main piece of it, but there's the life goes on attitude that you see uh, 
in the film through Patrick and maybe a little bit through others, but just in general that uh, Kenneth Lo- uh, Lonergan hits on. Because when, if, you know, all of us have been touched by death, whether it's um, someone young or someone old or, or silly, even a dog or, or God forbid, a, a child or, or, or a spouse, you know. And I think one of the things you notice that you can't understand when you're in the middle of that morning, and you get it, you understand it, it's logical, but the thing that, that sticks out is this idea that life goes on, because it absolutely does. Um, and when you feel like that, you really hate that life is going on with other people, that they're laughing and joking and stuff. And and Lucas Hedges, uh, who, who plays Patrick Chandler, that character really acts like that, even though it's not true. So he has a different reaction than this one of... of of disdain or anger. He tries to make life go on, but there's obviously something going on there. Um, and, and really the main conflict in the film, there's two main conflicts I'd see. One is between Lee and Patrick, because Lee is obviously, obviously not right or not all there. And, and Patrick's a teenage kid trying to do his thing. So there's a conflict there because Lee doesn't think he's even fit to raise Patrick. And uh, and then of course there's the conflict between Lee and himself and him and his own his own past, um, and his issue with being in the city Manchester by the sea. So, you know, we'll get into both those conflicts uh, in a little bit, but that's what you that's what you see as you go through the film. You know, and um, and eventually, Patrick figures it out. He figures out that Lee is having a lot of trouble. Probably, he doesn't have any solutions for it, but he figures out Lee is is having a lot of trouble because the reason Lee can't be there, of course, is because he finds out that, or he feels responsible for the death of his three children when his house caught on fire. His wife was able to, to escape, and, and the kids basically burnt alive. He was drunk and, you know, didn't do anything criminal. The police didn't arrest him. I think he was ready to be arrested, which was a good scene. He basically admitted everything. Beer and cocaine was at his little party. Everyone left. He had to walk... Um, he went to walk for more beer because he couldn't get went to go to sleep, but he put fire in the fireplace. The fire fell out, probably lit the thing on fire. It's a big accident. Um, definitely one of those things where he's res- where he's like sort of responsible indirectly and was probably not acting uh, in a very responsible manner and holds that ton of guilt on him. Later on in the film, he speaks to his ex-wife and his ex-wife is is now sad and sorry. Uh, they um, insinuate that she said horrible things to him, and, and Lee doesn't know how to take it. So, so Patrick sees that he sort of uh, starts to get it, um, but it still doesn't end in that stereotypical American movie happy way. And I don't think that that's really Kenneth uh, Lonergan's style. 
although I haven't watched his previous films. Uh, the film, this film is very performance-based. Uh, the plot is basic, right? It's not that dealing with m- mourning death uh, isn't anything crazy. The storytelling is done very well because you don't find out, of course, that Lee's uh, children died and the way they died until a good hour into the film. Um but the the focus really is on the characters' personalities and then the way the story reveals pieces of the character and their past and their relationships to each other. So that's the basic summary. I jumped around a little bit and, and started getting into themes, but that's the basic summary. For those of you that seen it, um, I know I'm you know I missed some other big parts and I didn't want to get into any of the, the big details. But now I, I just want to talk a little bit about themes little about about some observations I noticed and uh, after that uh, a few comments on what uh, more famous critics have written so basically that'll be the uh, structure of these podcasts will be summary themes critics and closing but the themes are the the themes and observations are what I think are the best part or the the, the meat of these podcasts because they're the things that I want to create more conversation with, whether you agree or disagree, or whether you makes you think of something or whether it makes you think of a personal story in your family, you know, that's what really what art is about. So I'm going to give this spiel probably every podcast, but I'm trying to get away from the, I liked it. I didn't like it. I liked it, but kind of, uh, criticism. So I just really want to talk about the art and that's what we'll do here. So, uh, I'm going to take a little break and we'll get started. Wow, I bet that felt like a whole second to you, but uh, I was parched, so now we're good to go. So let's go through some of these uh, themes and observations I've listened to. I'm not going to list them. Uh, if I'm not feeling it when I get to it, uh, I'm just going to basically talk. But the first thing I want to talk about is not even about what happens in this movie. And I'm sure I'm going to talk about this in, in many shades uh, coming up in when it comes to other movies, but Manchester on the Sea, uh, like many critically acclaimed and Oscar Golden Globe type movies, had a very limited release, and it's probably not going to make that much money. Didn't look like it cost that much, which is good. But a lot of people nowadays don't want to watch that kind of movie in the theater, and I get it. I mean, we have huge TVs that are of incredible quality, and if we even care to watch that kind of film, then you can get similar enjoyment at your house. I get it. I sort of like the community aspect of the theater, although there were some rude people in this particular uh, film. But I do miss... The idea of the community idea of going out to see a non-crazy blockbuster. And this is coming from a guy, you know, this feed is going to have stuff specifically about the Star Wars canon, including the movies and stuff, and and the Marvel uh, film franchise and the stuff that ties in with that and, and the TV show. So it's not like I don't like the blockbuster stuff. I love it. Me and my wife love it. And it's really what... Feels you feel okay about watching that kind of thing and, and spending twelve to sixteen dollars on it, 
But there's times where I just like to watch this kind of movie out there too. One, one for support, two because these movies require uh, your attention to be on it. And sometimes at home, if you have kids or, or you got other stuff to do, you may not be able to give it your full attention. Uh, it's a lot easier to turn it off or to move on, you know. And, and there's something that should really be seen in a, you know, in one sitting in a hole and not cutting it off and pausing it, which I am definitely guilty of doing, you know, for some of the movies that are Netflix. Um, there's a documentary I'm watching right now. I've been watching it for months, it seems, because I keep watching 30 or 40 minutes of it. Um, I forget what it's called now, A Time for Killing or something like that, which was nominated a couple years ago. So there's there are positives of watching a film like this. Now, if you're going to spend a ton of money and you do like those big blockbusters and you should probably spend it on that because on, on those, because those films are very big and the screens are very big and you're never going to have that big of a screen in your house unless you're super rich or, or silly. But the other films work too, I think, and they don't give an, they don't get enough love. I'm probably going to go watch the, Denzel Washington film Fences tomorrow and it's going to be almost empty, which is fine. But these films don't get enough love and I think that our attention spans are going away. So, you know, you lose, you lose a lot watching it at home unless you're able to really sit down and buckle down. Um, about that and, you know, I'm going to say it a lot and with, you know, in a, from a different viewpoint and stuff. Um, so something I wanted to compare this film to, uh, compared to other ones, and I'm not sure of the movies that are probably going to get nominated. I feel like there's often one that is a pure character study and, and those films can be hit or miss. And this film can sort of be called a character story because it's a, it's, it focuses a lot on Lee. It tells Lee's story it sort of explains why he acts the way he acts. You don't really get it at first, and then you, you find out about this, the story about how his children were killed, and and you get it a little bit better. You're a little bit closer to him on, on why he is the way he is, and there's a real focus on him. And you can sort of link it to, if you insist on calling this a character study, the, the one Oscar film that seems to always be reserved for character studies. And the kind of movie I'm thinking of is is Whiplash and Black Swan and The Wrestler. So in those movies, if you watch them, there's like this focus on the character. And I think where they don't become my favorite movie is because there's not a ton of a ton of plot around it. There's not a ton of story. It's really Here's this character, and here's events that happen to it, and here's the way the character reacts. And there's a, a, a wonderful focus on the character and the actor portraying the character. Um, in Black Swan, it's Natalie Portman. does a great job in The Wrestler. Uh, and in Whiplash, I, I can't remember the rest of the actor and The Wrestler for some reason just slipped my mind. But there's a extreme focus on this guy that loves pro wrestling and has been a wrestler his whole life. And then a, a drummer in whiplash, a jazz drummer, and all of them are great performances. And a lot of the uh, supporting actors and actresses have great performances too. They, they act as, as catalysts or 
as sparks or as uh, as antagonists to the, the main role. But like I said, not a lot of plot around it. And all of those involve people that are just absolutely enamored with their art or with their work or with their skill or talent. So drumming, wrestling, and ballet in those three examples. So there's there's a piece that wants you to call it a, uh, a character study because of Lee and the incredible work that Lee, that Casey Affleck does in the role, uh, being a guy that answers questions with one and two words and, and doesn't talk that much and basically only speaks when he feels it's absolutely necessary to speak. And so he does really well uh, even in a in a role with those limited lines or limited opportunities for lines. What's interesting is a one of the critics we'll talk about actually um, thinks that's a negative, but most other people, including me, do not think it's a negative. They think he he did great doing that. But the the main differences are that one Manchester by the Sea has a plot, and the way the story's told in its timeline uh, is done very well, and that that gives the film strength, the writing and, and the directing, and the way they go in and out uh, into the past and into the present. Where, you know, the other three movies that I mentioned, my opinion being Black Swan being the best of those three, I think, uh, is that it's all character and reaction based. So, could be a character study because Casey Affleck does so well, but I don't think the film really is. And I think the only reason that I even crossed my mind is because of how well Casey Affleck did. He did as well as... Uh, the actors in the three movies I mentioned, except in a movie that was directed and also written well. Um, another big theme uh, that probably more about life or an interesting contrast in it and that we touched on in the summary is Lee's grief, which you slowly find out is grief, but you knew something bad happened to him or he did something very wrong. Uh, that's very actually very that's what I was thinking at the beginning of the movie. I wasn't sure, you know, people, the hockey coach, for example, goes, oh, that's Lee Chandler? You know, you're not sure if he did something wrong or did something if he ran out of the city or if there was some big tragedy. Um, but it's his grief uh, and the way he he's chosen to live his life since his tragedy versus now having a new new set of responsibilities um, which is, of course, Patrick. So there's a real good contrast there, written very well, because, of course, Lee wants to get out, and they offer him what he thinks is the unthinkable, is, okay, the, the dad had full custody, and he decided you should do it, and he's going to pay everything, and it's not going to cost you a penny. And Lee doesn't obvi- obviously doesn't want to do it, but then the alternative is that he goes to, that Patrick goes to his mom and, and the mother... Uh, played uh, by a great actress that played a great role in Boardwalk Empire, uh, whose name slips my mind, of course, too, but I wasn't even going to talk about her. Um, She does great, but she's alcoholic and a little bit crazy, and and they have a real good scene uh, in there, but Lee basically says no, right? So that, that contrast of being forced into this responsibility and having this grief... And and seeing, the fact is, is that Lee doesn't really grow, does he? He ends up 
liking this kid, liking his his nephew a little more, and and wants to see him, but he doesn't really grow. He doesn't get over his his grief, and he doesn't have that aha moment or anything. So there's a there's a lot of contrast. You're not sure what's going to happen with it, but the grief had already molded Lee, and it turned him to what he is. That check in check out guy uh, in life probably woke up was like checking into life and went to sleep, checked out. One of those guys where I guess Affleck does do a a very good job where you think that, you know, before he, he gets this responsibility with Patrick, why doesn't he commit suicide? And he, he does try in one of the, uh, one of the flashbacks, but what stopped him, you don't really get what stopped him after that. Maybe it was just his moment or something. Um, but you don't really get why he doesn't commit suicide if he's so sad. But then, you know, despite being molded by his tragedy, you see that the the molding begins uh, as he gets to know and ha- has to start to raise pretty much his uh, his nephew. So good contrast there, um, and played really well. We'll talk about the ending in a little bit, but uh, that that's related here. Um, I've mentioned it a bunch. One of the uh, best parts of this film is the timing and and the writing by Lonergan. Um, you don't really find out uh, that Lee's children die, like I said, until an hour into the film. And be- besides that, you just get you just start. You just start jumping back. And Lee... Casey Affleck still plays Lee with a little bit of dryness. But sort of like a a dryness that he still can laugh and have a good time and, and hang out with his friends. Um, they they still keep him as that sort of white working class guy that, that you don't really see as much in the movies anymore. Uh, but definitely that Boston guy, you know, he's from his neighborhood. They're not living in mansions or anything. He, he has some kind of job on the, on the sea in a fishing boat, you know, but he's happy and, and he has those three kids and then, you know, partying with his friends downstairs and playing ping pong and stuff and drinking. He's happy, but he still has that, he still has that look about him, still has that face about him. And there's no color scheme switching or music or anything but as soon as Casey Affleck plays the before tragedy Lee and the post tragedy Lee, you can see it right away. And the writing fits perfectly for his style of acting and, and the role he chose uh, because it it doesn't really, like I said, you don't really know from any direction standpoint that you've gone into the past. The scene just starts. But you know immediately because the way Lee's acting He's a little bit happier, and then there's a, a dark and angry Lee uh, when the movie's going on to the present. And and the storytelling's great. I think it probably would have been great with, with any actor, but they complement each other the way the story's tell, told and the way uh, Lee acts in the past and in the present. Uh, one, of the, one of the things about the film, too, is that... Uh, you know, I'm talking about how sad the film is and how they have to deal with uh, with death and, and how mourning works and Patrick's father dying and, of course, Lee's children dying and stuff. But it the film is almost like a ref- recipe. It's like 
two parts poignant and, and sadness and, and, and people dying and mourning and then one part funny. You know, so there's these awkward moments where Lee obviously doesn't want to be social uh, with one of Patrick's girlfriend's mothers and doesn't want to talk and stuff. And and then there's like a strange teenage sex scene that's not working out and it's and it's sort of silly and funny. And then you get hit with another sad piece and then you think maybe it's going to get lighthearted and you get hit again with another sad, depressing piece. And then it gets lighthearted for a minute again. So. It's a it's a real balance. Uh, Lonergan keeps it, you know, keeps the the winter over the movie in Manchester at sea, but then it, it does have its moments of of silliness and fun, you know, especially at the beginning when you're not sure who Lee is and he's running around to everyone's apartment and asking them, you know, finding out what's wrong and tells one person to fuck off basically, and then another one wants to actually have sex with him and he doesn't care. He's He's dead to the world, very dry. Um, uh, something I, I touched on in in the summary is the is death and and the world goes on. And that happens with uh, Patrick's father dying. You know, he's with his best friend when he dies. Um played very well, a guy that really didn't know what to do, and that's one uh, one aspect of death. Your friend dies, and, and you're there for his family, and you want to do everything you can. You know, at first he says, no, I cannot watch Patrick. We got enough kids. doesn't want to do that, really. But still there for you, do everything I can. You know, but that guy's world goes on. His best friend died, but it goes on. You know, you still got to work. You still have your kids to deal with. Uh... Patrick's life went on, you know, he's, he dealt with, you know, panic attacks in the film and, and sadness, but, you know, he still played hockey, he, he still went to school, he's still hitting on, on different girls, he still played in a, in a pop punk band, basically, you know, and life went on, but, uh, for who life didn't go on was Lee, and later on we find out his ex-wife, uh, it didn't go on, and, and eventually, for a long time, um, and then eventually she gets married and goes on for him. So you just see the rest of the world moving when you're deep and hurt inside. And, and for most of us, you, that's it's a short period. You know, if a maybe a parent dies or a grandparent dies, you know, and you see that life goes on, but they they were older, and you do your mourning. I'd imagine it'd be a lot harder uh, if you lost your kids and you're in this position where you blame yourself. And, and that's the way Lee was written to not necessarily forgive himself. And he, and he actually never does as we see at the end of the film, he's actually not able to stay in Manchester by the sea and, and leaves, you know, but there's another sort of world where you don't really get how you can let life go on. Like how you can walk around like a zombie forever, you know, and sometimes you, you, some people might act like that as a penance. They're almost punishing themselves. Why should they get to live life when they feel responsible for taking someone else's, you know, and, and, and he isn't able to get over it. And it was a very brave sort of decision by, uh, Lonergan, uh, basically keeping Lee 
sad. He he has some measure of growth in the film. You know, he's he realizes that he wants to be around and, and be in Patrick's life and, you know, invites him, has a room for him, supposedly, in, in his new job in, in Boston. And, and there is growth there. But he doesn't win, and he doesn't have this aha moment. And then, the, and then the the movie definitely has that artsy film ending where it doesn't really end, it just keeps going. And then it feels like okay, the director said what he needed to say, and 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 Lee's made his decision about uh, how Patrick is going to be taken care of and who's going to take care of him, and that he can't beat it. And then they're fishing at the boat, and then the movie ends, you know, and. A lot of movies end like that without that solid ending, and, and it's something that maybe a lot of people don't care about, or, or maybe it's the meat of the movie that matters. I always notice when there's not a... The ending doesn't have to be tidy, but it, sh- it this, you know, a lot of endings go dot, dot, dot. This one just definitely went dot, dot, dot. Lee made his decision, but, you know, fishing at the end of the boat. So, despite that artsy film ending, I do like that um, it wasn't the... He had an aha moment, or he's going to work hard to do it, or or someone's going to tell him that it's not his fault, as if he'd never been told. But luckily, he was told at this point at the end of the movie, and he's going to change. And I think the truth is, is that most of us wouldn't change, um, even though it was an accident and not one hundred. It was only indirectly his fault. I don't know that to those of us that chose to stay alive or, or could work through it would ever really forgive ourselves, you know? I mean, it'd be years of, of therapy and stuff, and and the, the Lee character, that Boston, Massachusetts-type character, that, uh, that stereotype character is not the kind of guy that would ever go to a therapist anyway. So, you know, he's going to deal with it the way he deals with it, and, and he couldn't beat it, and so he leaves. And uh, But then they're fishing on the boat. Um, so that's the characters and their relationship to each other. And, and Casey Affleck's, uh, performance of Lee was, was a plus of course. And if he won the Oscar for it, you know, I'm, I might choose someone else myself. I'm not sure. I haven't watched everything yet, but it wouldn't be crazy because he did a good job. Uh, one of the, another uh, great thing about this film is that, the city of Manchester, I guess the official name is Manchester on the Sea. The city was its own character in here. It had its own things going on. Like the, you, you felt the cold. Maybe I felt the cold because I'm a, a desert kid and, uh, from the LA area, but you felt the cold, uh, you know, in the winter, in the, in the winter in Manchester on the sea and, and it contrasted well with with Lee uh, dealing with his issues and 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 having to drive around and and just always being bundled up and, and being cold and the city looked beautiful you know the shots of the city you know that old American town that that you know even pre probably predates the country kind of thing and looks so untouched and and on the sea and beautiful and one of my favorite things is when. Uh, creators are able to make uh, a city or a region its own character. Because if you didn't have the Boston accents, 
or the Massachusetts accents. And if you didn't have the cold and, and coolness and you didn't have, uh, you know, the, the Cape Town seafaring type modern people, but you had the morning and, and you had Lee's story and, and you had the, the brother with congenitive, uh, heart failure, you know, the, the movie could have been still good happening, you know, in the Florida Keys or happening in New Mexico and Santa Fe in the desert or something. The story could have still been good, but it would have taken in on a different breath. And so the, the, the small city of Manchester by the sea, uh, had a great effect on me, uh, in the film and, and really affected, uh, the characters and, and the way we look at them. And then the only side thing I wasn't going to mention her, uh, but, we will, since I like the actress so much. Anyway, it was, uh, I forgot her name earlier, but it's Gretchen Mole's performance. Um, she's just an actress I like, mostly in Boardwalk Empire. What's interesting about, though, the writing and the character there is I, I've been thinking as I've been, you know, um, weighing in and, and thinking about the film. There's that point where, you know, he gets into contact with uh, where Patrick gets into contact with his mother, played by by Gretchen Mole, and and eventually it's a little bit of a twist. And I'm trying to decide if it was filler or if it works because of the 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 great but small parts that Gretchen Mole plays, and then uh, who would be Patrick's stepfather uh, by Matthew Broderick. So basically, just to set the scene, as he gets in contact with his mom. His mom is no longer alcoholic or psychotic, or, or at least she's doing better. Um, he finally contacts her. Uh, Lee agrees that he can go eat with her. So he's excited about it, and she sort of wants custody of him. She thinks she's better. And the basically, it's just one scene, and the scene itself is, is very good. But it makes me wonder if it's filler. Did it need to be there? Did it... Did it color some of uh, Patrick's history and, and Lee's history and and their and Lee's brother's history? So you know the the performance was so good. I think it worked, and 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 I think it's okay because it's it's easier than just throwing in another death um, into the mix for Patrick. Because if if his mother had died, then maybe some of his nonchalantness in the movie might be seen as okay or or might be reasoned away like oh that's okay you know because he'd already gone through his mother dying and he knew his his father had this this disease and it was going to get to him eventually and that's how he can deal with it you know he he knew it was coming and had already dealt with it so i don't know if that was on purpose why they kept his mother alive or, or why they kept her around in the, in the picture but uh i think it worked from a a writing and, and making sense standpoint um, especially for the character of Patrick. What was even better is how great Matthew Broderick and, and Gretchen Mole played their parts. You know, she's, Broderick was, uh, you know, obviously very Christian and they couldn't get it. They couldn't really, they got along, but they just step in on each other's words. The scene was very, done very well. All three actor, actors did great. And, um, you know, it's almost another kind of death when, um, Patrick gets that email from the the Matthew Broderick character Jeff I think or Jeffrey 
saying, hey, if you're going to talk, this is very difficult for your mother. If you're going to talk to her again, you have to come through me, you know. And so it's, um, you know, it's extremely strange. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's a very focused on personal tragedy, you know, and a, a lot of films deal with the social injustices, which are which are reasonable and have been some of the best films like, like the help and stuff. Um, but you get a, a lot of personal tragedy in this film and this is one of them and everyone does extremely well. So I just wanted to throw in that scene there. So I mentioned, uh, Gretchen earlier and I didn't want to leave it out. And also I didn't know if that talking about that scene would fit just like, I'm not sure if that scene fit into the film. Um, luckily it was, it did succeed just because, uh, the actors were great. And I think the coloring of who the mom was rather than having her dead was a great choice. So, uh, the movie deserves uh, its accolades. Um, a lot of stuff made me think of a lot of stuff in the context of life, in the context of, of just individual themes, in the context of the performance of the actors and actresses. And also in, you know, in contrast to other movies, um, I'm gonna, can't wait for the list to come out when I'm record, as I'm recording this, there's, uh, the Academy Awards have not been, uh, nominated, but the 2017 Golden Globes have, and I'm not sure I see a, an explicit Black Swan whiplash type film in it. But then again, I should also mention that I don't, half these movies, I, even though I've seen their titles, uh, for the last few months, half these movies I have no idea what they're, about because I don't really read synopses or or previews or reviews or anything, you know, just them being nominated is good enough and we go watch them and we're the most surprised in the whole audience. So um so we'll see if there's uh something to play up against uh Casey Affleck's role, which is normally that ultra character study film. Uh, which can be hidden or miss for me. So that's it. That's the, uh, that's the, basically the themes part. Um, I do want to just point out, uh, two critics that I read. Now, the vast majority of critics loved this movie. Um, and if you go to, you know, like Metacritic, uh, actually these, both these reviews look like they're on Metacritic, so you can find both of them that I'll talk about out here. Pretty much everyone gives it, uh, Metacritic, uh, shows them as hundreds. So of course some of these are actually rated and then some are not, you know, and, and Metacritic normalizes it all. Um, so the only positive review, cause there's so many, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna d- destroy her name, but it's, uh, Fio, Fio Halligan. And, um, she's on screen daily, which is a, very relevant website. Um, what she puts, uh, what she puts out front and center, uh, that I mentioned to some extent here, uh, that I just want to highlight, uh, is from her review and it goes, well, Affleck is front and center as the brutally damaged Boston janitor Lee. This is also an ensemble piece of the, as the characters gradually reveal themselves in a delicate, uh, carefully measured narrative. And that's exactly sort of what we talked about and that she notices is, uh, that, Hey, it's all about Lee, but the characters, uh, the other characters also play great roles in, in that narrative 
really sticks it all together. So I just wanted to point hers out. There's one... There is one... It's not a bad review. It's uh, basically a 60. It's from The Guardian. I uh, gave it 3 out of 5 stars. Um, I wrote down... Oh, it's uh, from Lanra Bacare. And this is actually comes from uh, extremely early in the year. So, interesting enough, in the review it says, oh, it's going to be on everyone's uh, lists, and it'll one of those kind of movies that will get nominated. So the, the writer is almost guessing, but still only gives it a three. Um, so what's interesting is, I'm sure that... I'm not going to call the, liar, the writer a liar or anything, but what's interesting is, is that... This is probably one of the earlier reviews, and then you do see all these hundreds and stuff, and and sometimes I think people build off, uh, you know, some critics build off one another. So it's really interesting when the first review was sort of low, um, but when you read the review, there's a piece that I disagree, and and he actually, or this writer actually sees Casey Affleck as, um, not being great, and the, and the characters sort of one word answers and sort of moaning and, and stuff as a negative, which I thought was great. And I thought that the, I thought the writing was great. And I thought Casey Affleck played that great. And let me read you, uh, exactly what the writer says here. Manchester by the sea is a study of family dysfunction and, and the worst loss imaginable. But one held back by the fact that it's all filtered through Affleck's withdrawn lead. His Kurt, his Kurt, uh, repose clearly a signpost that this is someone clearly scarred for life. But they also stop scenes which have the potential to light the screen up from doing so. There's an exchange with Williams in the final act that never moves past the initial stages because Lee can't manage more than grunts. And I guess if you could paint it that way, and, and hopefully if I had read this before, one of the reasons I stay away from even reviews that don't have spoilers is, is I don't know if that would have painted my opinion of the film. Um, so I, I guess you could paint it that way. And if you, if this writer doesn't like it, what can we say? But that doing less with more is the piece that was, I feel the best about the film and especially the scene he cites he is so lost when he meets up with his ex-wife there. He is so lost that she insists on talking to him. And she's breaking down in tears. And she's saying that she still loves him and how sorry she is for what he, what he said. She's moved on. Her life has moved on. Not that she's not hurt and not that she doesn't remember her kids and, and not that she doesn't have to deal with it. But she has a, another child and and... She's put the pieces back together. I'm still sure still dealing with it. And she breaks down and has lots of words for Lee and is crying. And it's a real, one of the most touching moments of the film. And he's right. Lee just basically grunts and says words and basically wants it to stop. And after she's done giving her spiel, he just gets out of there. So... To this critic, that's a bad thing, and one that they that the writer can't get past. Um, 
But I, f- I think if, you know, you watch the film, I think that's one of the actual pluses. So it's one of those things where, hey, if that's the way you saw it, that's fine. But that scene is going to go down as one of the saddest and, and best scenes um, based on both uh, uh, both the actor's and actress's performances. And Lee doesn't do anything. He's just fidgety and uncomfortable. But that's acting too, guys, you know? And, and the tone of his voice and the way he tries to break, break through and, and the way Randy, uh, his ex-wife in the film, just powers through, just basically gets those feelings onto the table. You know, and, and the scenes that she had been in before, you know, of course, were understandably very awkward and weird and meeting her husband and stuff like that. But she lays it out on the street where I, th- I believe Lee was walking to uh, the house that burned down. I think that's what was happening there, but I'm not completely sure. And it is, it becomes one of my favorite scenes, but you know, it's the way you look at things. This critic didn't like the scene and thought that uh, 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 Casey Affleck's perf- either his performance was bad or, or the writing was bad. So I just wanted to go over uh, a couple of the critics uh, views that Nate, that, Moderate, you know, 60, 71 was from uh, The Guardian, and then the other one, um, well, actually, there were a ton of positive ones, but the one I read from was from ScreenDaily.com, and there's actually pretty good writing uh, about about the film in its, you know, non-spoiler type uh, a style, but then you see, you know, you see this style of writing a lot. Uh, for all the Oscar movies. Okay. Uh, maybe I should have, you know, done a Star Wars comic book or something. I chose a very deep drama that no one's, barely anyone's going to watch. Um, and probably is not going to actually win the Oscar, but, you know, has gotten these incredible um, accolades and, and reviews and stuff. So got the concluding we got those concluding thoughts in there you I, my name is chris sarda you can find me on twitter at chris sarda i also have a music newsletter i write um you can find that on notpartofyourscene.com. um i'm going to start writing on that blog more but there's a newsletter section you sign up for that i try to send that on every couple weeks and i'm not sure what i'll do next you know this podcast is either about film uh, some of the big films I watch, or it's about the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe canon or the Star Wars canon. So lots of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, a lot of times I will be geeking out on this podcast. But thank you for listening. And hey, most of this was to start a conversation. Love to hear what you think, how the movie touched you, what the movie made you think about, uh, what themes you noticed in the movie. Uh, things that you know you can that contrasted against each other or or correlated with each other. I want to hear your thoughts on actors' performances. And hey, even I actually haven't uh, seen anything else from Lonergan, so maybe I'll watch something else and, and contrast that. So I'd be interested for those of you that have gotten uh, much deeper uh, with the director and screen uh, playwriter. Anyway, thank you for listening. My name is Chris Sarda, and I'll sign off.